this podcast maxim pacherski chief data officer at city of san diego talks about big data in big cities so stay tuned Welcome everyone to another episode of Future of Data podcast. Today we have with us Maxim Pacheski. He is the Chief Data Officer uh, for the City of San Diego, and a brief bio. So he is working in the Performance and Analytics Department. Maxim strives to bring the necessary component uh, together to allow cities resident to benefit from more efficient, agile government that is as innovative as community around it. He has been solving complex problem with technology for nearly a decade. He spent 2014 working as a Code for America fellow in Puerto Rico with a focus on economic development. Uh, his team delivered a product called Premier Piso that provides business owners and, and residents tool to search and apply for government programs for which they may be eligible. Uh, before moving to California, Maxim was a solution architect at. Promet Source in Chicago, where where he built large web applications and designed complex integrations. He shaped workflow, uh, configuration management, and continuous integration processes while landing and training international development teams. Before his work at Promet, he has he was a software engineer at All Play All Players, who was instrumental in design and architecture of the company's APIs as well as development and and documentation of supportive client. Libraries in various languages. Maxim graduated from DePaul um, with Bachelor of Science degree in Information Systems, and from Linköping University, Sweden, with a Bachelor of Science degree in International Business. He is also certified as a Lean Six Sigma belt. So, Maxim, with that, welcome to the podcast. Wow, that 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 makes me sound super impressive. <laughs> it's all you, man. It's all you. So, uh, so. Before we start, um, I think what I fa- I found fascinating about your profile, uh, as I, I think we were talking before the the, the podcast, um, city of San Diego. It's not a small thing. It's a big city, and doing a big data for big cities, it's, it's it's fabulous. So why don't you walk us through your journey? Like what brought you to this? Um. Yeah. So. Um. So you know. So kind of as you read, my background is really in um, you know software engineering. I've done a lot of software engineering, data architecture, um, things like that, and I've designed large systems and complex integrations. So I really like to do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and at a certain point, I, um, you know, I looked looked at my life and career a little bit, and um, I kind of decided, you know, what I I really enjoyed what I was doing, and I wanted to see if there's a way that I could bridge, you know, my passion for technology and my my skills in technology with, um, you know, a way to help people or a way to have a little bit more of a meaningful, you know, impact on the world. And I ended up uh, applying to Code for America, and um, I worked at Code for America for 11 months. It was a fellowship. And through that, I worked with the municipality or the the territory of Puerto Rico. So I worked with the CIO there um, and the the government on the island level to try to influence economic development or try to improve the economic development there. Um, so they have on the island level, they have sixteen economic development agencies. There's also seventy eight municipalities on the island, and some of the larger ones also have various economic development functions. And so it was a very daunting task, and it was me and uh, uh, a team of two other people, a uh, UX researcher and a designer. <clears throat> and what we ended up doing is we ended up um, interviewing quite a bit of people, you know, business owners, government people, and we created this concept of a product called Premier Peso, which we eventually ended up building. And the interesting thing for me was it was it was actually a pretty boring technical build. It wasn't very you know it wasn't very challenging to build at all, um, but um, it was the right solution. And the impact that it's had was you know when when the fellowship was coming to the end, I was like, hey, you know, I like doing this. You know, even if I'm not pushing technology all the way to its limits, um, or even if I have to compromise there, I really like making a difference and. People's lives, 
And um, yeah, and then honestly, this just kind of came up on a mailing list. Um, and I saw that, you know, this is a C-level position and eighth largest city in the country. And, you know, I I'm just like, what the heck? I'll apply. I'll see what happens. They're probably looking for a bureaucrat. I have tattoos, so we'll see. Um, <laughs> and um, I ended up, um, I ended up getting a call for an interview, and then I actually ended up interviewing with the mayor. Um, that was my last interview, and uh, I almost screwed that up twice because at first, I uh, he comes into the room and I'm sitting there, and then he's like, "Do you want a cup of coffee?" And if you ever ask me for coffee, my instant answer is going to be yes, like, no matter what time of day it is or, you know. And so I just instinctively said yes. And so he goes and makes me a cup of coffee. Um, and so I'm like, oh, my God, the mayor's making me a cup of coffee. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> and, um, and then, um, you know, as the interview goes on, he asks me a question. And I pull out my laptop, and my laptop has a bunch of stickers on it. Mm. And one of those stickers is, uh, you know, like the Facebook, mm. um, you know, thumbs up. Well, it's the same style, but it's a middle finger. It's from the hackathon. <laughs> so I open my laptop, and there's a middle finger facing the mayor. I didn't know this at the time. I only found out like three months later after I got hired. But obviously, you know, he 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 can take me asking him for a cup of coffee and flipping him off during an interview so seems like a good place to work right <laughs> that's a fascinating story uh, thank you yeah. for sharing that so so what do you do now like what's what's your work looks like nowadays so um so initially when i first started uh, my job got created with the open data policy that yeah. passed in 2014 and so the open data policy um it has a five-year time span so we're going to be um, you know, kind of coming up for renewal and probably expanding it a little bit. But um, what it really is, is um, it had several pieces to it. The first piece was try to understand what data the city has. So the mm. city has 36 different departments, 11,000 people, all kinds of different IT systems, but nobody's actually done a data inventory up until mm. that point and try to understand what, what do we actually have. Um, so that was the first part of it. Now that um, we know what we have, let's try and figure out, you know, what is it that we can release to the public as data sets mm. um, on the portal? And then, you know, and obviously this is very asynchronous, this is not synchronous at all. Um, and then um, once, you know, we figure out what we can release, well, let's stand up a portal and release it. Mm. Um, and that's that's what we did. So um, I worked with 65 depart or, 65 people across 36 departments to um, build up a data inventory to try to understand what data systems do we have, um, what data do we have, what are our subject matter areas that we have, who are the data coordinators that you know I can call up and ask questions about it, um, things like that. And then we identified what we can re what we can release, um, and eventually um, we ended up. At first, we ended up buying an open data portal, mm -hmm. um, and you know that was fine. But um, I had some requirements that you know the product didn't fit, and so we decided to build our own. And so we run our own data portal at data.sandiego.gov, and it's great. I'm very happy with it. So, um, so that's kind of the the thing that started it off. Um, and then um, it's like, well, hey. We have access. First of all, we have access. We we have all this data that we need to move out to the mm. portal, right? Um, so then I have two options: Do I go with a bureaucratic process and try to, you know, make people, you know, fill out forms and try to like extract CSV files out of their database and upload them manually to a bucket somewhere, right? Um, which, if you're trying to create culture change and trying to make people use data better, that's a terrible idea, mm. right? Um, or um, I can just automate the whole thing, right? And so that was our that was kind of our next step. Is we said, okay, we're not going to make people do things manually. We're going to let machines do what they do best, and humans do what they do best, right? Mm. Um, and so what we did is we stood up um, Airflow. So Airflow is an open source project by Airbnb. Um, and we stood that up internally within the city. And so now we, we codenamed it Poseidon because codenames are awesome. Um, and, you know, the trident and all that. Yeah. Um, 
And so, um, so Poseidon now runs um, the stuff that's back in the data portal. We're also sending automated alerts for various things. Uh, we're continuously moving data around. Uh, we're connected. I had to write connectors for stuff that Airflow did not have, like mm. Oracle 8, Samba shares, um, like crazy old school legacy city stuff. Um, I think there's like, there's even a mainframe connector because we used to have a CAD. Um, computer-aided dispatch system that, that ran out of mainframe. Um, so, <laughs> so that was the next big thing. And then, you know, so now we're doing this alerting and removing this data around. Um, and so we have access to a lot. We're starting to have access to a lot of different data. Um, and alerting is nice, but what about prediction? What about uh, performance management, right? Like all those things. So we brought on a data scientist, and then we actually started building a data science program and um, started to really engage with the department to understand, okay, you know, here's what your operations looks like. Here are, you know, here are your pain points. Um, let's talk about it. Let's figure out where is it the data can fit in the right way, whether it be through an application, through an alert, um, through an analysis, um, you know, that will make your operations better and will make your lives easier. So that's a long description of what it is that we do. We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair, fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. Nice. No, I think that's that's fascinating. So you talk about a lot of collaboration, like so creating data inventory is not it's not an easy task. You have to have all those departments supporting and sort of uh, agreeing to your mission and giving your data and tell us walk us through that 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 process of how does that um, that convincing someone or department to sort of work um, to create this inventory work what all uh, effort went into that and, and if you can walk us through that um, so you mean how do I how do I get people to do what I ask them to do. In, in, uh, in, in different departments, right? Yeah. Yeah. Without having direct control of them. Um, I don't know. People like me, I guess. <laughs> um, no. So, um, so, you know, there's definitely people that, you know, don't do what I ask them to do. Mm. You know, let's all be honest here. Um, stuff happens. Um, but I think that, you know, it's really about, it's a really a communication thing, right? Mm. Um, people have historically looked at data and that historically, I mean, data has been around for only so long, but people generally tend to look at data as KPIs and performance yeah. metric and as a way to get yelled at. Right. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's a stick. It's not a carrot. Mm. Um, I think a lot of what I've had to do is to really, um, educate people around the fact that, you know, hey, you know that thing that, you know that one time um, that you have to, you know, once a week you have to call Betty in the water department and hope to God she's not on vacation because you need, you need mm. this data set from her and she's going to send it to you manually. And if you don't get it, you get in trouble, even if she's on vacation and it's not your fault. So you know that whole thing? I can make that go away. Let's make it go away, right? Um, so there's that. And then there's the, um, there's the, there's the, the aspect of data that's more of, you know, this is not about KPIs, right? This is about improving your process. This is about, you need to make a case for more resources. Um, this is how you do that using data. Um, you need to improve your call center staffing. This is how you do it using data. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's really about um, understanding. I really do think, I really do believe in the fact that like you have to go in and you have to understand um, where are people at, where their pain points are mm. um, and really understand um, how they work and what it is that they do and what's important to them and um, communicate around that. Because I mean, you know, and I know, and I'm sure the audience knows that, you know, data is obviously useful, right? Mm. Um, it's just that, I, I recognize pretty early, like I will see 10 different use cases and the person I'm talking to will see one. And mm. the one that they see is the KPI that they get yelled at about, mm. you know. Interesting. And and so um, fascinating, by the way. And, and thank you so much for walking us through that. So um, 
when you join in and and sort of you are tasked to do this and and you rightly said it's 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 a bureaucratic it's a bureaucratic organization and then uh what role has leadership played in 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 giving you an ample freedom and and if if there are folks from other city uh, offices uh watching this what what should they they learn from this inter- like your experience what what do you what has been your journey uh, like on that so i think that you know the mayor and the council really gave us the the kickstart right um they kind of gave us the seed funding right mm-hmm. with the with the open data policy and the support there and saying hey you know the mayor said so right mm-hmm. we got to release this data let's make it work um but everything you know all the other stuff i mentioned the automation the analytics all that um that was purely um collaboration with other staff right um i think that at least for us you know the culture here is um i can go talk to the ceo or i can go talk to um the directors and um you know and so can my team and it's not there's no that rigid hierarchy that you kind of generally envision in government people are very open and very receptive hmm. um and you know i think if you commu- if you're able to communicate well and if you're able to um convey the value of what you're trying to do um i think that you know that that's a big that's a big win um and, and it's a way to get things done the other the other things that we started doing it's probably like more of the advice that i would give is mm-hmm. <clears throat> data is a buzzword right like we kind of operate in this part buzzword space you know also if you're working government smart cities another buzzword and so you know initially when we started doing more of the project based work mm-hmm. people would come up with these projects and we'd be like yeah sure we can build that you know we come back and we work for a month and we build it and uh then we come back and it would never get used hmm. and it would, or it would never go into production and there's two things that we started to learn from that one is now we have lightweight scopes of work hmm. so it's a very non-bureaucratic document we uh we go back and forth with the department we narrow down what it is we're going to do we're going to narrow down who the team is um and the way a scope of work gets approved is my main partner sends me an mm. email saying okay that's it that's all i ask um the other thing that we do is for the initial project briefing we will bring in the person one or two levels above my main partner mm. and explain that to them so now there's accountability from their direct boss um and so between those two right it's it's more of like a, it's a soft push it's it's again it's mm. a carrot it's not a stick um and and kind of defining a beginning and an end to a project um those those things have been extremely extremely valuable in actually making sure that you know we're not spending time you know spinning our wheels on work that never ends up seeing the light of day or never ends up in production because mm. you know because somebody got distracted with something else or um you know another political reason came up or you know whatever happened interesting and and what are some of the surprises that you have got uh, when when you sort of create this inventory of data and you're cross collaborating with a lot of departments like what are some of the things that that you were not expecting to see but you end up seeing and and, and how do you how do you um, overcome those i think my main surprise and i honestly i still get surprised mm. we do a lot of really cool stuff um so as an example one of you know one of the department one of the it was actually not a department it was a section of our water department it's called mm-hmm. environmental monitoring and technical services mm-hmm. that i got to visit and work with um there is a division and their entire job is to monitor the ocean and how we're polluting or not polluting the ocean and the levels of chemicals mm-hmm. in the ocean and so they have this giant i mean not giant but they have a lab by the airport and you're walking around in there and there's all kinds of like little samples of dead octopi and mm-hmm. fish um and and i think there's like a lobster in an aquarium and this is like the municipal government of the city of san diego right like um and so and there's there's they manage um they manage something called the LIMS which is a uh, laboratory information management system which is an oracle database and they have to keep track of stuff in there and they have to automatic and they have to 
They spend a good chunk of time every year generating reports for the state of California, right? Like, um, it, it's it's really cool some of the things that we do. Um, I think that was probably, you know, we also mm. we manage an airport, right? Mm. Like, like it, it's an entire spectrum of things, and so I think that was probably my favorite set of surprises that came up. Interesting, and 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 uh, San Diego is a busy, busy freaking city. How do you end up sort of? How do you prioritize things uh, when it comes to sort of um, which project to go for and and which one should take precedence? How do you? What are some of the things that that you, if you can walk us through that? We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair, fastest AI powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. Um, so, well, remember how you asked me earlier, um, you know, uh, what happened or how do I get people to work with me, mm. right? Well, they're not great at working with me. Guess who's going down lower on the list, mm. right? Um, that's a really big one. It's do we have a willing and capable partner and department? Can we, you know, um, we can't really work on the project if we don't have that. So that really gets... Mm that's a really good way to drop it down. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, um, it's a city, right? It's a city government, it's a political organization. There's politics against them all. Mm-hmm. My mayor's priorities are my priorities. Um, and so, you know, that's a really important factor in how we prioritize things as well. The other, the other thing that we, you know, that we really focus on is can we get the data? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times we will have, um, you know, for whatever reason, the purchasing contracts have been written in such a way where the vendor runs a database somewhere on their servers and we're not allowed to get any data out of it at all, right? Um, and so that's kind of a showstopper. Um, so, so, and then lastly, you know, impact. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, if I, if I improve, um, you know, if, for example, I have uh, a, a way to improve how somebody manages, you know, public records documents mm. versus better dispatching of emergency medical services, right? Like that's that the medical services is definitely going up because that's more impactful. Because there's still a limited amount of things we can do, right? Like, and you know, I don't have an infinite amount of time or an infinite amount of people, and you know, the things have to get prioritized. Interesting. And what are some of the ingredients of a of a leader of a, of a data driven leader in city or in in, civ, in civic landscape? Like, what are some of the qualities that are much appreciated um, in, in in sort of in your template of of um, uh, data governance? Um, tattoos, piercing. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so I would say. I would say my I, I I have a strong technical background and I understand how to put things together um, in terms of architecture. I think that is very and and I also understand how to work with IT because mm. um, I have a background in actual IT and I think that is really important. The the the, the CDO or the data team. Um, and IT are really two sides of the same coin and, and, you know, and making sure that, you know, you have a good relationship with IT and cybersecurity and you're not, you know, you're not carrying around PII and a flash drive mm. somewhere, right? Like that stuff is really important. Um, I think so. So I think that's a big aspect. Um, but I think the, you know, the other side of that coin is I... I have a lot of really good relationships with people in the city um, mm. with at all levels of the organization, everywhere from, you know, council members to directors to line level staff. Mm. Um, and I think, I mean, honestly, I think part of it is just like my personality, right? Like I, at every lunch, I have every lunch booked um, and I'm at happy hour all the time. Uh, <laughs> not because I like drinking, but I actually drink club soda at happy hour, but you know, but um that is that is just the culture, and that is how you build mm. relationships. And 
that part is extremely important because people, you know, and also, and, and honestly, <laughs> being here for a while is important as mm -hmm. well. People know that you're not some tech guy from Silicon Valley coming in, doing a new story and then rolling out, right? Like, you know, kind of, you're here. Um, you know, I've been here for a while. People trust me. I have relationships. Um, and, you know, and, and, and that, and that matters and that carries weight. And I think that is, those are the qualities. The other one I would say is, um, being very, um, skeptical of what it is that you say yes to. Mm -hmm. Um, so not that you have to say no all the time, but you know, it's just like what we said earlier, right? There's a limited amount of time. There's a limited amount of bandwidth. There's technical limitations. Um, there is, you know, stakeholder limitations. There's all these different things. And so, you know, you kind of, especially in the beginning, you definitely want to set yourself up to be successful and to show that you've been successful. And because that is how you build the credibility and that is how you build the relationship. So, you know, so now that it's later on, I can take a little bit more risky stuff mm -hmm. um, because, you know, because I have the street cred to be able to take more risky stuff. Interesting. And, and, and how does um, your interaction with other cities work? So, like, do you collaborate with other cities um, as well? And how, how does that work? Yeah, so um, it's actually kind of cool. So I have I have just from personal relationships from Code for America, and it's just mm. the people that I kind of hang out with that kind of do the same thing. So I have a lot of connections in cities across the country and, mm. and also Puerto Rico and some cities in Asia as well. Um, and um, I'm part of this thing called the Harvard Civic Analytics Network. Mm. Um, and um, we meet once every six months and it's uh, CDOs from major cities in the US and it's uh, you know part therapy group, part knowledge sharing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, you know, and so we get together for two days in Boston and we there's an agenda and you know, and we talk. Stephen Goldsmith puts that together. Um, and uh that's that's probably the most valuable thing i go to um in terms of conferences um because you know we there, there's a lot of there's a lot of differences across city governments but there's also a lot of similarities um mm -hmm. and kind of just sitting there in the same room with people that have been through the same things as you have or that are going through the same things as you have um and how, seeing listening to how they address it is extremely valuable Interesting. And and in your interaction with other um, uh, other city representatives, like what what have you seen are some of the um, shortfalls or some of the opportunities that other cities that you see um, that they could do to improve their infrastructure when it comes to it, or at least the knowledge of um, like what's something that 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 you that you hear a lot about other cities and and what what are something they're doing wrong. Um, so what are some of the cool things that other cities are doing? Um, Chicago, I know has been doing quite a bit of work with, um, they did, uh, uh, they did this really cool predictive project about rats. Mm. Um, so I'm from Chicago and rats are definitely a thing. Um, and, and so they did this really cool predictive project about trying to figure out, um, uh, in which alleys rats are most likely to happen and try to address that. Um, they've also done something with uh, with the community with uh, Lake Michigan and the mm -hmm. water quality monitoring there. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, San Francisco, um, they've done a bunch of things around housing, um, which is also really cool. They they actually have a really great site, Data SF. Um, and yeah, there's 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 uh, quite a lot. The uh, the Allegheny County which is the county in uh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia? Yeah, that Pittsburgh is in. Um, they do some really amazing things in their um, health, um, health section around uh, predictive analytics around healthcare outcomes um, and public health. Um, I think that's really, I, I, we, don't have, we don't deal with any healthcare data outside of EMS, mm -hmm. but um, if we did, that's definitely an area I would want to go for. And and typically, typically, does city share their models with each other? I think so. You are blessed with, uh, uh, as you said, eighth most populated oh, yeah. city. So, so yeah. Well, 
one of the coolest things about working for a city is it's all, I mean, it's, it's all open source, right? Like, I mean, obviously yeah. we don't share like PII and things like that. Um, but you know, you, the public records act request or mm. the FOIA, the federal level, right? Like you can go and make a public records act and you can see all of my emails. Please don't do that. Um, <laughs> but you know, so, you know, so, um, all of our stuff's on GitHub, um, because mm. why not? Right. Um, and you know, that's just that cities are really open at sharing things with each other um, because, you know, it, it, one of it, one reason is kind of just this commiseration or not, commi I'm not brotherhood either, but whatever that word is that I'm looking for. Mm. Part of it is just that, um, but part of it is, you know, why not? You know, if I have mm. a great model for predicting EMS calls and, you know, the city of, New York wants to use it, then please, why, why would I stop that? It's not like we're not competing. Right. No right. Competition. Interesting. And, and what, and what do you think some of the th cities are doing wrong? Like, or, or they don't get uh, it right about the data or how to manage their setup. Like what are some of the things that when you talk about other uh, city representatives that they're doing it wrong? We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by first Friday fair fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. Um, I mean, I would not, I would, I would hedge saying anyone's doing anything wrong because mm. everybody in my position in a different city is a product of where they are in their organization, the political environment that they're in, the team that they have, right? Like it's not, I would stay away from doing from things that people are doing wrong. Um, but I would say, um, I will say, you know, the things that we focus on here that I don't see many other people in many other cities doing are um, automation and governance. And so what you'll usually see is cities will come up with a static report during data analysis, or they'll do the, they'll run the data once, maybe they'll have a Jupyter notebook. Um, and you know that'll kind of be it, and that'll be the end of the project. Mm -hmm. um, we and and this is I think just a little bit of my background. We focus on it more programmatically, right? Um, because of our automation system, because of data delivery, because of alerting, um, we kind of we yeah. Sometimes we'll just do the one-off report, but more often than not, we'll actually um, integrate it into the workflows. Um, and so I think that's a missed opportunity that I think um, a lot of cities could go for. The other thing is, and you know, we're, we're getting there here. It's definitely not perfect, but um, in terms of um, doing uh, data governance and, and data governance, not in the typical data governance, master data management sense, because um, I don't know. I don't know how effective. I have opinions on that, which probably I'm still interested. But um, what what I like to think of as data governance is more on the data discovery side, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, I want to know the data exists. I want to know where it is. I want to know if it's authoritative. I want to know if there's any analysis that's been done to it, and I want to know if there's any fields or what the fields mean. Um, so those things, we have an internal data catalog that we um, use, uh, we use Alation for that. Um, and it connects to a bunch of our different databases and it's able to look at the query logs and infer some of that. And then we have people logging in and filling out um, additional things about the data. Hmm. Um, and so um, I don't really see cities focusing on that. It's always like call the department, get hmm. the data, do the analysis and get we're done. Um, and I think that's another missed opportunity because I think that, you know, um, ideally I, in, in my perfect world, um, I have awesome people in other departments that, you know, can run SQL that are interested in learning Python, um, are interested in doing JS and mapping stuff. Um, I want to give them the tools mm. um, to do that. Uh, Data Catalog is one tool. We also have Cardo. We have... Um, we're looking at Domino Lab for like for um, for letting them write Jupiter in the cloud. But um, I want to empower them because there's only so much lever. There's only 
so much that my team can do. And I think really the power, uh, I think everything becomes really, really great if um, we can spread out the analytics stuff out a little bit more to other, to teams within other departments. Interesting. And, and, and how does, um, so do you collaborate with even the state and uh, federal? How does that work? Like, if you can walk us through that. Um, federal. So we were in the police data initiative, um, but I actually haven't heard from them for a while, so I'm not sure if that's still going on. Um, and you know, beyond kind of just having some connections, um, people that I know, and going to a few conferences here and there, I don't tend to interact with federal that mm. much. Um, state, um, there is. Um, Oh my God, uh, GovOps. There's a GovOps office mm. in the state of California um, and they're a great team. There's an open data section. There's also a performance management section and there's a process improvement. So they're kind of almost our counterpart um, in the state of California. And so um, Stuart Drown and Angie Cararte, they're really great. And so, you know, so we'll have a call once every few months and just kind of catch up, see what they're doing, see what we're doing, try to find, um, try to find uh, similarities and see if there's things we can collaborate on. We also have um, agencies here in the region. So this is actually another thing I learned is, so mm. the city is one organization that manages stuff in the city, right? The county also has a hand in it. There's the Port of San Diego, which manages the waterways. There's Caltrans, which is another agency. There's the MTS, which is the, they run the buses and the trains and stuff. So there's a bunch of agencies in the region that do stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so we collaborate with them quite a bit in terms of data sharing and projects. And, you know, some of them we have standing meetings with, some of them we have standing lunches with. It really depends on what it is that we're working on at the time. Interesting. And, and um, we hear a word called AI a lot. Like, uh, so what is, is city um, mature enough? And then uh, is, is, is it using AI in its, in its, and can you share some of the, some of the use cases? that you guys are using and you are using AI for? So, okay. so um, as a developer, it's actually been really hard for me. Remember that thing I said in the beginning about kind of having the discipline mm. to use the right technology for the job, even if mm. it's boring, right? Mm. That's where I still am, right? Like I'm still using like fairly boring stuff for a lot mm. of things we do, right? Like ETL is not cutting edge. Like mm. let's just all be honest here. Um, and um, in terms of AI, specifically AI, we have not found good use cases yet. Um, there's really not. There's really not much going on with AI because because you have to inject it into the process correctly, and we just haven't seen opportunities to do that yet. Um, predictive analytics um, and some machine learning stuff. We're starting to see some of that come up in um, uh, either truck routing or EMS dispatch or fire dispatch or police, things like that. Um, that um, that's been starting to come up, but it's still, it's still kind of very early, very early stages um, in terms of, and by very early stages, I mean, you know, we're still trying to figure out if it is the right fit and find the right use cases for it. I'm, I'm very hesitant to say that there are no use cases for AI in the city, um, but, um, you know, I, we just haven't found them yet because the organization is not technically and, and the data maturity just isn't there yet mm. for them to surface, right? And so these use cases are more on us to find and we have them. Interesting. And, and if in your personal journey, journey as, a data, as a data science leader, if you need to change something, like what would what, what would you think would be something that that you would revisit and change as as you are sort of grooming in this in this in this landscape? If I were oh, wait, elaborate a little bit on your question. So, if, as as a data science leader, if you need to change something in you, like what would that be? What would something that you think that you would change? Change about me? Yeah. Oh, um, that's a good question. What would I change about me? Um, Mm, I would probably, um, 
well, I'd like more staff. <sighs> but I mean, that's a very government thing to say. Um, if anything, I would just like to, I like to be in more places at once. Mm. Um, you know, I think that's what it is. Um, I, and, and, and maybe the other thing is maybe be a little bit better at politics. Mm. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, you know, I think I'm okay with talking to people to regular operations people that just want to improve processes, things like that. Um, politics are a little bit of a different beast, mm. with a different, you know, level of, you know, with a, like a 5,000 foot view instead of a thousand mm. foot view type of thing. Um, you know, that's probably what I would change, but I don't know if I would really, I don't know how strongly I feel about that statement. I don't know if I really want to get better at politics. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, if 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 you if you look at um, the past trends, like uh, what what do you think is the future of um, data in cities? Like what 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 are we looking at? Say five year, ten year down the line, how would city consume data and analyze and and like what are some of the things some of the trends that you could that you could share that you are seeing um, cities moving very fast towards that, that we should keep an eye on. So I see the smart cities thing, you know, it's been a huge buzzword for government people. Um, and it's a really good thing. And it's a really weird thing at the same time. Um, you know, every vendor is trying to slap the word smart city on their offering. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and it depends on the political environment. The city, you know, cities may be willing to buy it or not. Um, one of the things that I think that cities should, you know, really think about is, you know, uh, security policy, data privacy policies when it comes to smart cities, um, you know, and then and then also just purely operational IT policies. Do you want to have five different networks flying around? Do you want to have, you know, um, sensors on, you know, five different systems mm -hmm. that you now have to integrate? Um, you know, I think there's, there's that aspect of it. Um, but I think, you know, as time moves on in the future, I think that, you know, what I said earlier about people thinking of data as KPIs, things, you know, things to get yelled at about. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, um, as more and more use cases come up and as more and more project, city projects are done with data as not being the hammer but as be, or, the, or the stick, but being the carrot, um, I think cities all across the country and the world are going to get a lot more into um, the predictive uses of data. Mm. Um, and, you know, and I think that's actually how cities become smarter, not by, not by putting a bunch of sensors all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, you know, I, I'm excited for that to happen. And then um, the other thing that I'm seeing is, you know, Uber, Lyft, we have a bunch of scooters out on the streets, uh, smart cars, or no, not smart cars, uh, self-driving vehicles, right? Mm -hmm. All these additional things that are coming online now. Um, there need to be policies developed for how these companies share data with cities. And then mm -hmm. once the data is shared, um, I think cities will really start thinking hard about using that data for future planning and future community development uh, and maybe resource allocation. And I'm really... I'm really excited for that to start happening. We're kind of San Diego is kind of slowly moving in that mm. direction, but um, I think you know, I think that we're, you know, just like every other city, I think like there's still a lot of space to go there. Wonderful. And and what are so for for a private enterprise? Like, what are some of the big opportunities that exist um, in the city landscape that that you from your vantage point that one should keep an eye on? Um. So this is, I guess I'll say this to like all the vendors, like mm. some version of this to every vendor that pitches us, right? Is mm. don't pitch me a platform and don't pitch me a solution, right? Because when you're coming in, you're pitching me one of those, you're assuming that you know my problems and you probably don't. Mm. Um, um, pitch me the time that you're going to spend figuring out my problems mm. um, and pitch me the time and how you're going to work with me to address them, right? Um, because, so what I was saying earlier about, you know, 
we don't just go and build technology and throw it at something and expect a problem to be solved, right? We really go in and understand what needs to happen and work with the department, try to figure out what is the right solution to that problem that they're having. Um, the vendors, for some reason, don't do that. Mm. Um, they come in and say, hey, we have this great platform for, uh, you know, for um, integrating uh, sensors across different devices. And so you can see it in your dashboard. I'm like, well, okay, but um, I don't, the sensors are like one-tenth of my problem. I also have SAP mm. and Oracle 8 over there, right? And what am I supposed to do with that? Why shouldn't I go into the same dashboard, right? Like, so that kind of stuff, that's probably what I would say is my number one frustration working mm. with vendors is, them coming in and saying like hey here's our solution and you should buy it like no 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 you need to listen to what 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 my use cases are first and how your solution can fit i think that's that's a beautiful point i think it, it it's uh and then thank you for sharing that because this applies to almost i, I remember like talking to um city of uh uh Basic Atlanta at one point, and 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 he was he actually said it best. He said, "Vishal, you know what? Uh, one of their chief data guy, and he said that every time people try to sell us, and no one is trying to tell us. So he said that it it gets it gets very tricky that they just go with their berserk like after two sentences the same thing. So why mm -hmm. don't you just stop and listen to what problem I have? I think and you nailed it. I think from that perspective, that yeah. it's, it's very critical. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. And now let's let's spend a few minutes on on your journey. Like if if uh, uh, in your uh, coming to this role, what are some of the things or some of the qualities or one two three qualities that you think um, you, that has really helped you stay successful in this role? Like what would that what would you attribute those qualities be? Mm -hmm. Well. So you know how beautifully spoken I was and eloquent on this podcast um, four years ago? That would not have been the case at all, right? This is all learned. Um, so that's definitely not one of them. Um, I would say that I, having an understanding of technology really in terms of mm. like having built it and having, you know, used it and having, you know, having worked with it. Um, and an understanding of IT and cybersecurity and all that, I think that's probably the thing that's allowed me to succeed the most. Mm. Um, um, learning to talk, <laughs> that mm. was another that was another big one um, that you know helped a lot and kind of articulate what it is that I need, what it is that I want. Um, and the other part is um, so because I used to work in startups and dev shops and on teams of developers, um, I, I've been through the experience where I came in as a person that, you know, only knew about 20% of what I needed mm. to know to do the job. And I had a team that taught me. And then I also had the experience of knowing a hundred percent of what needed to be done for the job and um, having created a process for people, you know, so the people that come in want to train up, but also to work in the process, right? So everything from like code management to continuous integration um, to all of that kind of stuff. Um, that there's no there's no architecture for that at the city, and so without that, I don't think we would be able to do our work, or it would be just a mess, right? So mm. I creating a process and enforcing it and running my team like a dev shop and like a dev team, um, that has also allowed me to be extremely successful. Um, and the other part is just juggling a lot of projects and a lot of things at once and waiting mm -hmm. for people at different stages and being able to manage all that and kind of creating this hybrid version of agile that's not agile. Um, that was really hard. <laughs> so worth it. Interesting. Yes. Uh, uh, well said. And one thing we ask all of our guests is to share some of their reads or some of the books that they are reading or they're like, do you have any favorite that you can share with our, with our, with our community members? Oh yes. Um, so the Phoenix project, um, I think mm -hmm. it was written in 2013, maybe it's an older, uh, older ish book. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but it's a novel about IT and DevOps, which I know just sounds like a massive oxymoron, but it is actually a really light, great read. Um, and it makes you think kind of how, about how, you know, process and Kanban, project management and, um, you know, DevOps and how all these things are important. And it's not just the end product. It's everything that happens behind it that is, you know, is, is what forms your success. Um, so I would highly recommend reading that book. Interesting. Thank you so much. And now we're at the last question, not the least. So if you want uh, the listeners and viewers to take away something from that conversation, like what would that, what would that be? So what would be your closing remark for our listeners and viewers? Um, I would say that, uh, listen, um, you know, technology is, um, is a thing that solves a problem. It is not the end all be all. Right. Mm. Um, and you have to find the right problem to solve and you have to solve it the right way. Um, and you have to be okay. <laughs> like I am, unfortunately, uh, with, you know, not using GPUs or AI mm. or TensorFlow or machine learning if it doesn't fit. Mm. Um, if it fits great, go for it. Right. Um, if, you know, but you kind of have to, th th that, that part, that, that discipline part of saying, I'm not going to use the sh latest, shiniest tool is really freaking hard. Um, but it, it, it is worth it in the end because you are actually making an impact. It, you know, assuming you made the right choice, you're actually mm -hmm. making an impact and solving a problem other than just delivering a thing that nobody's going to use. Interesting. With that, uh, Maxim, thank you again so much for, for your time and, and for, being really candid about um, the, the nuances and what it takes to, to run a city and, and, the, and the data setup for a city. I do appreciate that. And we are always welcome back on the podcast. Whenever you are in Boston, do give a holler. Love to uh, meet over a coffee or something. So, Oh, I didn't you. realize you're in Boston. Yes. Yes, I am in Boston. Yes. I think that's why when you said uh, you come often, do let me yeah. know. And we should, we should catch there up once every six months. We're, I'm definitely going to hit you up and we'll grab a coffee. That's awesome. And with that, thank you so much and appreciate your time. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for inviting me. It was really a pleasure. Awesome. So. I thought I was sick of home, but actually I was homesick. Never really knew that I would have to grow up so quick. I'm so uncomfortable, don't know anybody here. Just a couple dudes that I met once, that's it. And I go into the booth feeling nervous. Got butterflies in my stomach like I'm so worthless. Is the mic gone? I don't know how to work this. Inside I'm breaking down, I hope I'm not up on this.